Um, I, I wanted to tell you a story of something that happened to me that kind of sets up our uh, message this morning. When, when I lived in Mississippi, we lived on the, on the beach, not actually on it, but a mile from it. So I would walk down the beach. One day I was walking down the beach, and um, I passed this really, really strange person, and, and the person just stared at me, like in a really weird way. I, I, how many of you ever been in a, in a situation that you knew wasn't right, but you didn't know why? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your spider sense is going off. Some, something about this isn't right, but I can't really tell you what it is, but I'm, I'm creeped out. I'm now officially creeped out. So this, this strange, scary person, as I'm walking to be, starts to follow me. And I'm kind of looking over my shoulder, and I sort of pick the pace up a little bit, and they do too. And I'm thinking, this is, this is creepy. And so I, I duck into a hotel lobby because I think, you know, start making turns. And if they make turns, you know it's not your imagination. And it was this really, really long lobby with this a big marble floor. And uh, I could see a little, little seating area way on the other end. It was really long. And I was walking through that, uh, you know, that marble floor. And on a marble floor, you can hear shoes kind of tick, tack, 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 you know, clomping. And I was clomping down. And, and uh, I looked behind, and, and this strange person was coming in the door, like starting to run now. And I thought, this is the weirdest thing, and I'm, I'm afraid somehow. Somehow or another in my mind, I thought a good idea was to get in the elevator. <laughs> you know, I'll lose them, right? So I go run and get in the elevator, and, I, and I'm breathing heavy, and I hear the clomp, 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 faster, 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 and I'm pushing the button, I'm pushing the button, I'm going, go, shut, shut, shut door, shut door, shut door, shut like this. And all of a sudden, somebody reaches out and grabs my hand. And I, almost like somebody had baptized me in ice water, I go, ah! Like I can hear that, ah! You know, girl scream. And, and, and I realized who had grabbed my hand was my youngest son, who was about nine, named Tyler. And it was a dream, and I was lying in my bed, like going, ah! And he came in, Dad, Dad, he grabbed my hand and almost pulled me out of the bed. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when you think somebody's touching you in your dream and they're really touching you in real life, that's weird. I'm just telling you, there's nothing that'll like shock your heart. Had my heart stopped beating, it would have came right back. It would have just brought it back. How many of you, how many of you have ever had a, a strange dream? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of the weirdest that I've ever had. It, it totally freaked me out. And I'm breathing heavy going, Tyler, what, what are you doing in here? What you, you know, I couldn't tell if he's going to kill me or save my life, but I can remember it was a, it was a really weird time. But you know what? I, I, I just say that to say this. Not all dreams are good. <laughs> Not all dreams are from God. But God has a dream for your life. Did you know that? God has a dream for your life. In other words, you're not just floating through life, colliding randomly into good and bad things, and God's just making the best out of it that he can. That's not what's going on. That might be what it feels like sometimes. Romans chapter 8 describes this ache that we have down deep in our soul that God put there. It's a longing for God's kingdom, and it's a longing for God's way. And a lot of the frustration and the strain that you and I feel in this life is actually the longing of the Holy Spirit inside of us 
to throw this old broken world off and to attach ourselves to his kingdom and his way and what he says is just and what he says is right. It's like a puppy caught in a cage whimpering to get out. That's what we all have a longing inside for something deep and meaningful and significant. And it's our spirits grown for a God reality. Let me read it to you. Romans 8, 23 says, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies patiently. Verse 26, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. There's something significantly spiritual going on inside you. And we oftentimes detect it in hints and impressions and aches and longings and discontentment and dissatisfaction. But there's an ache inside of us for something otherworldly, for something eternal, for something that matters, for something important. Now, right between the aching of our soul on one side and the brokenness and injustice of this world, God drops a dream. He wedges a dream right down between those two things. He puts a longing inside of us to make an eternal difference. Acts chapter 2, 17 explains it like this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So the work of the Holy Spirit in your life will cause you to have ideas and plans and and dreams about how God can use you for His purposes. We see it in art. We see it in sports. We see it where people push themselves to the limit because there's something inside of them longing for something greater than the sport or the art or the thing in front of them. We see evidence of it all around us. These groans and longings and dreams draw us toward eternity, draw us toward eternal things, and we long for something deeper. You can tell a lot more about how fresh someone's relationship with God is based on their dreams than how many spiritual experiences they're having. Don't tell me, don't tell me you went to this conference or don't tell me you had this encounter. Don't tell me, don't tell me that. Don't tell me you speak in tongues. Don't tell me that. Tell me about the condition of your dream. You can tell a lot more about how fresh someone's relationship is with God based on the condition of the dream that God has put in their life. You see a person with God dreams, you see a person, you, if you see a person without God dreams, you see a person who's in desperate need of renewal by the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. You, you, you might want to write this down because in my understanding, this is the single most important question when it comes to the dream that God's given you. What kind of person will I have to become to see this dream live? 
That's the most important question. It's the most overlooked and the most important. When we think about a dream, we think about something over here beside us, outside of us, something we tamper with, something we work on, something that is something that's out here that we we pick up and we let go and we work on and we but it's compartmentalized. God doesn't think about it that way at all. The most important question when understanding God's purpose for your life and the dream he has about you is what kind of person will you have to become in order to see that dream fulfilled? See, God will give you a dream and then fit you to the dream. God doesn't fit the dream to who you are. He fits... He fits the dreamer to the dream. He doesn't give you a dream that fits you as you already are. He gives you a dream that will fit you when you become the person he wants you to become. Does that make sense? So you've got this dream out here in the future. You've got this future trajectory that God is luring you to with this dream. And right where the dream intersects also intersects the identity that God wants you to have. So you got to become something more. You've got to become something different to see the dream. You've got to change. The dream's not just going to land on you as you are. So let me say it like this. Dreams take a long time to accomplish because it takes a long time to make a dreamer. And that's what God's trying to make in you. He's trying to make a dreamer. So God gives us kingdom advancing dreams because it's the only way he can get us to become the heroic people that he wants us to be. If you look throughout the Bible, you're going to find one common denominator in all of the people that God used throughout a lifetime. And here it is. They're all dreamers. Noah dreamed about a boat that would save humanity. David dreamed of a nation that would honor God. Nehemiah dreamed of rebuilding Israel's capital city. And Paul dreamed of taking the gospel all over the world. This morning, I want to look at four dreamers in Scripture and see what you and I can learn from them about how God accomplishes and fulfills his dream inside of us. And what can we do? What can we do to be part of it? Number one, Joseph was the rejected dreamer. Now, you may not be familiar with all of these stories, so I'm just going to give you a little thumbnail of Joseph. Joseph had 12 older brothers, and God gave him a dream that his brothers and parents would one day bow down to him. Now, in the beginning, that sounds completely self-serving. But in the end, it was not self-serving. Number one, it was a God dream. But number two, it wasn't self-serving because not only did that dream end up saving his entire family, it ended up saving the entire country. In the early years, his dream wasn't only rejected, it nearly got him killed. He was thrown in a pit, he was sold into slavery, he was lied about, falsely accused, put into prison, forgotten by a friend, all because of this crazy dream. So what can you and I learn today from the rejected dreamer? Here's what we can learn. Don't let your spirit sour when people reject you or reject your dream. Don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Don't get sour. Don't give up on it because somebody's rejected. Let me tell you what rejection is. Rejection is a distraction. It always is. Stay focused and stay fruitful. That's what Joseph did. In every season of Joseph's life, if we had time to look and study this morning, you can look in Genesis and read his whole life. He stayed focused and he stayed fruitful through every season of his life. And it kept him out of the distraction. It kept him from being lured into rejection. I remember when I was um, 
18, or actually 16, I felt a a call to full-time ministry, and that ultimately led me to go to college. And so in the community that I came from, almost nobody went to college, very few people. Uh, Maybe a trade school, maybe something like that. And and I can remember, uh, I didn't have the money to go, so I can remember I, I was so disappointed I had to stay home for a year and work three jobs and try to earn up enough money to start my first year of school. So I did that, and as I was staying home, I'd already told everybody, you know, that I was going to go off to college and prepare for ministry and, and do all that. And, and uh, so, you know, then I had to face people who said, well, you know, what are you doing here? I thought you were moving away. What happened? And so one night I was at work in the mall. I worked in the, the men's department of Sears, and I was in the mall. And this pastor that I knew, his wife came by, and I went to school with her son, and so she came by and said, hey, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to school. What happened? And I told her, I said, you know, I just couldn't afford it. And so I had to stay home and earn money for another year and, and uh, get ready. And I remember she looked at me dead in the eye and she said, oh, you'll never go. She said, oh, you'll never go. Yeah, right. <gasps> See, you could feel that, right? Oh, you'll never go. And I can remember thinking, why would you say that? Like, like why? Because I, and by the way, just by the way, I went I got a degree, and I went back later, and I got a master's degree. So I just want to say, <laughs> on her, God rest her soul, I think she's probably in heaven. You know, maybe she's cheered up a little, I don't know. But what you don't want to do is let someone's rejection define you. Because it will stop you, and it will kill your dream. Joseph refused to allow rejection to master his life, and he fulfilled the dream God gave him. They couldn't, they couldn't take the dream out of him in the prison. They couldn't take the dream out of him in the pit, and they couldn't take the dream out of him in the palace because he stayed focused and he stayed fruitful. Here's the second one, Daniel, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, the prophetic dreamer. When the Babylonians defeated Israel, they kept some of the young Jewish talent for their own purposes. Daniel was in that group of young men. He was brought to the palace to be trained to be in administration in the Babylonian government as a, as a foreigner, as a Jewish kid. And so he was being groomed to work deeply inside the Babylonian government. But I want you to picture this, though. So here's Daniel in a foreign government surrounded by people who don't believe in God. He's separated from his family. He's separated from the people he looked up to. He's separated from his culture. He's living in a world where everything is telling him, give up on living for God and give up on uh, on the work that God wants you to do. Give up on it. Now, that's not so much different than the world a lot of people are being raised in today, right? Right? That's not so different from the culture we live in now. Times have changed dramatically, and they continue to change. Our culture no longer encourages people toward Christ. Our culture encourages people away, at least to question it, if not away, if not antagonistic toward Christianity. So the wind was at our back, and now it's at our face. Entertainment and government and education and art and culture as a whole are moving people away from God. So when God gives you a dream, the present culture is going to try to shrink wrap that dream to fit the systems of the world. 
So what do you do when everything in your surrounding is telling you to not do what God put in your heart? Well, Daniel was a prophetic dreamer, and the reason that I call him a prophetic dreamer is not because he had the ability to see the future, although in some chapters of Daniel he did prophesy the future. That's not, that's not what my point is this morning at all. In the Old Testament, God would drop a prophet down in the scene in the middle of a situation to stir up the status quo. A prophet was a person that would stand on God's side against anybody else, and they wouldn't go with the flow. So what do we learn from this prophetic dreamer? Let God shape your life to the dream he put in you. Don't be shaped by the culture around you. That's what God wants to do, and that's why he gave you the dream. He not only gave you the dream to impact the people around you, he gave you the dream to impact you. He wants to do some work in you. So Daniel wouldn't conform to the people around him. The king of Babylon outlawed prayer. And you know what Daniel did? He went to his house and he knelt toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day just like he did when it was legal, even though it's illegal now. The king threw him in a pit with lions and God supernaturally protected him and Daniel lived. But if you allow people to determine your destiny, your destiny will always be smaller than the people who are controlling it. I guarantee it. Daniel had to become, listen to this, a rebellious intercessor. God raised up in Kingwood Church some rebellious intercessors. Some people who will cry against and stand in the gap for, and stand on God's side, and pray, and pray, and will not go along with the culture, but will shape it and reshape it through prayer. As Christians, you and I are going to have to get a lot more comfortable with not having the approval of our culture. Because we're not going to be living with a lot of it in the future, and maybe even some resistance. You, you may have never heard this name, uh, William Lloyd Garrison, but I want to show you a picture of him and talk to you about him for a minute. William Lloyd Garrison was born in 1805 in Massachusetts, and he was raised in poverty. As a young man, he developed a dream, and he wrote about it in his journal. Here's what he wrote one day in his journal. I will one day eliminate slavery in this land. That's what he wrote. Before Martin Luther King had a dream, William Lloyd Garrison had a dream. And in this man's generation, it was common for churches to teach that slavery was a biblical concept. Not every church, but it was common enough. Economists and political leaders warned, if you do away with slavery, the economy's going to tank. Can I just tell you, you're never going to hurt a society by doing a righteous thing. You're never going to hurt a society that way. For 30 years... Garrison, from his home, produced a newspaper that greatly influenced the northern American states. He titled it The Liberator. And for 30 years, he endured the persecution and the harassment to achieve his dream. And before Garrison died, Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And he saw the beginning of that dream coming to pass. What do you do when God gives you a dream? You do what Daniel did and you do what William Lloyd Garrison did. You let God shape your life to the dream. You don't let culture shape your life to itself. Here's the third dreamer, Simon Peter. I'm just going to call him 
uh, the teachable dreamer. God gave Simon Peter a dream in the middle of the day. He saw a sheep drop down from heaven and a bunch of animals that he had been taught all his life. We as Jews, it's against the law, we don't eat these animals. And all of a sudden, God says to him in this vision, you can eat these animals. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't taught that way. That goes against my understanding of Jewish law. But God gave the apostle Peter that dream because he was trying to teach him that the gospel wasn't just for Jews. It is for the whole world. It's for non-Jews now. So what's the lesson that we learn from this teachable dreamer? Don't get bogged down in your religious views. Man, if I could pick one out of these three that I say has probably wrecked more God dreams, it may be this one. If it's not a conviction that's clearly taught in Scripture, then it's a religious view. (laughs) And it's okay to have religious views. Just don't hold it so tight. So I've had people say things to me, you know, through years of ministry. You know, Pastor, one of the reasons that the church doesn't live in aliveness and vibrancy is because we don't take communion every Sunday. We need to take communion every Sunday. And I said, well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says, as often as you do. Doesn't give us a time. So we kind of have some liberty there. I've had people say, and we have to sing one hymn every service. God's not going to be in the room. We have to read from the King James Bible only. It's the authorized version that Jesus himself read from. Hogwash. No, it's not. It was written in 1600 and something. Jesus was gone. The Holy Spirit might have read from it, but Jesus didn't because he wasn't here. Christians ought to only listen to Christian music. Well, okay, that's fine as long as that translates to your TV viewing too. Easy now. Hold on, the the ground's moving. And you ought to only eat at Christian restaurants. Oh, hey, hey, don't take away the tacos. Come on now. Somebody help me. I like a little southern rock. Little Leonard Skinner. I'm, I'm good with Sweet Home Alabama. I, you know, I can, it's a few tunes I kind of like. Now, they don't feed my soul. They make my foot move. Wait a little bit. But they don't feed my soul. I don't see anything in the Bible that mandates those things. We've gone crazy at times on how people got to dress. I think modest is good. But like outside of that, give me the, I had somebody tell me one time, the guy that was demon possessed that was sitting in the campfire, he was sitting there and, and he was in his church suit. And I thought, you, you think this guy who was formerly demon possessed has a, a, a 21st century, modern day, three-piece American suit? I don't really think that's in the Bible. Here's, here's all I'm trying to tell you this morning. Too often we feel convicted about something and then we search the scripture to try to back up our feelings or convictions. That's the wrong way to read the Bible. 
Our opinions and traditions and convictions and feelings are not the same thing as what the Bible actually says. The thing that will deflate your dream as quickly as anything is when you call what is opinion sacred and you call what is sacred opinion. So we got to get those straight. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So let me translate that for you in my own thinking. God has more work to be done on our thinking. God's bigger than you think he is, and you're wrong about more stuff than you think you are. So you got to stay teachable and humble and curious and open, because when you lose your curiosity, you stop living and you started dying. Simon Peter brought the gospel to the Gentiles, and that was outside of his culture. It was outside of his religion. It was outside of his upbringing. It was outside of everything he knew to be right. The only thing is Jesus was in it. Can I tell you, Jesus is in some stuff that you think's wrong. And it's in some stuff that I think's wrong. So we got to stay open. The door was open for the gospel to go to the entire world because Simon Peter was teachable and was able to hear the Holy Spirit say something to him that had never been said before. The most important question, remember, about God's dream for you is what kind of person will you have to become for God's dream to be fulfilled? Simon Peter had to change from a person who believed the gospel was only for Jews to a person that believed the gospel was for everybody. He had to become a cross-cultural missionary. They had not existed before. I wonder what changes God needs to make in us this morning for us to see God's dream fulfilled in our life. Last one. John was the persecuted dreamer. John was a prisoner on an island. He was put there because the secular government wanted him to stop sharing Jesus, and and he wouldn't do it. Things couldn't look much worse. He'd been exiled. He'd lost control of his life. By the way, isn't that how all crises feel? You're completely out of control, and you have no ability to make any positive changes. you just stuck. Isn't that the way all crises feel? Well, that's what he was experiencing. And if you've lived for any amount of time, you've had that, those thoughts. You know, I'm going to go broke. I'm going to live in poverty. This sickness is going to kill me. I'm going to be rejected. These circumstances are going to do me in. Kind of Fred Sanford, it's the big one, Elizabeth, I'm coming. But, but watch this. What do we learn from John, the persecuted dreamer? Don't let the circumstances you're facing drown your hope in God. Because it can. This guy's on an island, exiled, in prison. He's not going anywhere. So let's read, read what he wrote. John, uh, Revelation 1, 9 and 10. I, John, your brother and companion... In the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. See, he was teaching and sharing the word of the Lord and his testimony, and they said no more. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. Man, if you got something to circle with, circle that. I was in the Spirit. And I heard, circle that word, I heard, two really cool things happened to John while he was in prison in the middle of his problem. He was in the Spirit, and he heard God's voice. Can I just tell you something? You can get caught in the Spirit right in the middle of your problem. You can hear God's voice right in the middle. I'm so glad I don't have to wait till things get better for me to have some kind of contact with God. 
I'm so glad I can have it in the condition that I'm in, in the position that I'm in, in the circumstances that I'm in. I don't have to wait for anything else to have to change around me. God can find me right where I'm at. I'm so glad to know that. By the way, because of this dreamer, we have the book of Revelation. The whole book. <laughs> Do you think God had a dream for John? I think he did. I think it was to write the book of Revelation. And prison didn't stop that. And exile didn't stop that. And being isolated on an island didn't stop that. So, so this morning as we kind of wrap up, I, I want to just tie this together here and say, now, how do you know, because we have a lot of desires, we have a lot of plans, we have a lot of dreams, how do you know the difference between a God dream and your dream? How do you know the difference between what God is driving you to do and what you're just being driven to do by something else, by your own humanity, by your own flesh, by temptation? Well, there's a difference in a dream and a fantasy. A dream requires sacrifice and obedience and maturity. A fantasy doesn't require any of that. It's rooted in self-gratification, and it requires no sacrifice. You don't have to change. You don't have to give. You don't have to do. You don't have to become. You just dive in. That's what a fantasy is. And it will feel so good for a minute. It just won't last long. And a dream probably won't feel good sometimes, but it won't last a minute. It'll outlast your life. Hello, book of Revelation. 2,000 years later, we're still reading it because it was God's dream that he put in his life and it will pass the test of time. It will leave a legacy. A fantasy is rooted in you. A dream is centered in others. So one of the ways to test what you're feeling is who gets the most benefit from it? If it's you, it's a fantasy. I won the lottery. Ah, Powerball. That's a fantasy. A dream is something that God uses to benefit others. But here's what's incredible. In the body of Jesus Christ, if you do your dream and I do my dream, your dream will help me and my dream will help you. And we all win. We just get to do it God's way. See, here's the thing you, you got to understand. That lady that's winking at you at the mall, are those ones you're looking at on the internet? That's a fantasy. That's not a dream. The one you live with the rest of your life, that's your dream. And if you chase your fantasy and miss your dream, you're going to be miserable. It's a dead-end street. The devil will always have a fantasy for you, and God will always have a dream for you. But you and I got a choice, right? You and I got a choice. There's no reason to even pray about your fantasies, because God will not invest one ounce of kingdom energy into your fantasy. But he will show up in presence and power for the dream that he's put inside you. He will move heaven and earth for the dream that he has put inside you. So my encouragement to you today is live the dream because God has a great big dream for you.
As our uh, worship team's coming and we kind of move toward prayer, I, I do want to highlight this for you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start uh, Life Streams, which is a series of four classes that we do to help people find the dream that God put in them. So we talk to you about Christian connections. We talk to you about your relationship with God. We talk to you about how did God wire you? What is your personality? What are your gifts? What are your strengths? We talk to you about those things. And we talk to you about the mission that God's given you. What does that look like? And so on the back of your info guide this morning, there is a way, if you want to jump in there, you can start those classes with us uh, in two weeks. I think it's two weeks or three weeks, whatever. It's in, the, it's in your info guide. The 17th, how's that? And so they're 1030, four weeks in a row. Just put your name on there, drop that in the box on your way out, and we'll just send you a reminder email. So you can still come to this service and then go to live streams for uh, a few weeks. But this morning as we um, wrap up in prayer, would you stand with me today? And what I want to do is just give the Holy Spirit a chance. Just want to give the Holy Spirit a chance to do in you what he came to do in you today. So I, I want to ask uh, if you'd close your eyes and open your hearts. And I want to ask every uh, prayer team member if you'd come. Prayer team, would you come? Here's what I want to ask. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know what God's dream is in my life. I have these ideas and I have these thoughts and I have things that I'm passionate about but I don't know I don't know what God's dream is for my life you know with nobody looking around would you just lift your hand and say you know that's me today I'm, I'm not totally sure what God's plan or dream is for my life Man, I've been there. I've been there. Everybody's been there. There's nobody that hadn't been there. Nobody's born knowing it. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me today? I just, I'm not totally sure. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I'm not totally sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's okay. Man, I, I love that song we sang. He's a good father. In the balcony, just lift your hand and say, I, I, don't, I don't totally know. I'm not totally sure what it is. We want to pray for you today. And, and maybe you're here and you say, you know, I do know, I think, probably, what that, what that dream is, that purpose. But if I'm honest, I kind of put it over to the side. Like I'm, I've not really been pursuing that. I've not really been following that. There was a time I functioned in that or pursued it, but I've kind of put it on the shelf. And... Um, and, I, and you know, today, I feel the Holy Spirit calling me back to that dream. And I, and I want to answer that call. I want to respond to God's touch in my heart. It's time for me to pick that dream up again. I mean, I've just been praying for you that on this holiday weekend, the Holy Spirit would speak to you and bring back to life those dreams that He put in you a long time ago. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, 
man, I, that's me. I feel that today. God has put some dreams in me, and it's time for them to come back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I know, because this is what God does. And then, and then maybe if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? When you talked about how even when you're in a crisis, you can hear God, and God can touch you, and God can help you, and God can, um, you can be touched by the Holy Spirit even when you're in a rough time. Today, if that's you, you're in a crisis, you just need, you need the touch of God, or your, your spirit, your spiritual life needs to be renewed. You need to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Would you just lift a hand and say, that's me today. Man, I, what you talked about stirred my soul, and I just need, I need the touch of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm in a crisis. I'm in a tough time. I'm in a rough spot. Maybe you caused it. Maybe you had nothing to do with it. Maybe it's not your fault at all. Or you say, I just need renewal. I need to come alive again. Come on, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me today. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we had people all, all over the room at different times that said, I need prayer today. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to start to pray for you. And as I do, I want you just to step out and come and let one of our prayer team minister to you. Because here's what's going to happen when you do. This is a setup. This is the whole thing God's been working toward all day, all week, is to get you to this point that you would turn yourself over to Him in prayer so that He could minister to your soul. So if you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. Lord, I love you today. And I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that's at work in this room. I thank you for the life and the creativity and the dignity and the purpose and the dreams and the plans that are stirring in this room right now. And God, I pray as we respond, as we step out, I pray that you would, you would touch and reignite. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now in the balcony, in the front, in the back, in the middle. Just look at the person and say, I, I'm just going to step out. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray for you. And the Holy Spirit's going to touch you. And you're going to be ministered to. And there's some things that are going to come alive. There's some things that have kind of been on the side that are going to get dusted off. And they're going to get re-energized. And they're going to come alive. You say, I need the touch of the Holy Spirit this morning. I need the touch of God's presence. You just come right now and let Him touch you. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for your presence.